remember in our first session, when we first started, that I told you that I had worked on Wall Street and I had worked on Main Street and then I did financial planning. But the reason I went into financial planning and to, and to help people was the mission statement that I had was to help Christians, primarily Christians, to plan and manage their money so that they would have more money to give away. I'm convinced that there is not a shortage of money at all for kingdom purposes, but there is a shortage of obedience in the Christian world. And yet, when we talk about stewardship and we talk about generosity, there can be shame associated with it, there can be guilt associated with it, and I don't want this particular session to be dwelling on shame and on guilt, but on really the, the positive nature of giving. And why is it that God says so much about giving? Why is it that there's over 2,300 verses in the Bible de dealing with money and money management? There's more said about money and money management than any other topic uh, in the Bible. And the reason for that is that money is a reflection of my heart, and giving is a reflection of my recognition of God's ownership. So we want to look at some of the heart attitudes, some of the biblical responsibilities, some of the things that God has to say about money. And what I want you to hear is the positive side of it and not feeling shame-based or guilt-based at all. Because when we talk about giving and that particular wedge of the pie, we're really talking about heart transformation. It's the one area of life that when I give, I may get a tax deduction, but I don't, get, I don't buy anything when I use money for that. The money is gone. So it's a significant decision that I make when I choose to give. I think there are several reasons or several motives to giving. And I want to look at God's word a bit and look at what those motives might be. And the first place I want to look is uh, 1 Corinthians 16.2, which says this. On the first day of the week, Paul speaking, each of you is to set aside something and save to the extent that he prospers. So Paul is saying that I want you to give, and I want you to give on the first day of the week. I want you to give on a regular basis, and here's how much to give. I want you to give in order to, as you have prospered. So if I give as I have prospered, somebody should be able to look at my giving records and say, wow, God has really prospered that person because look at their, at their giving. So reason number one to give is that out of obedience. The second reason, and we've already talked about this before, uh, is that giving breaks the power of money. And again, let's look at scripture and let's look at Matthew chapter six uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And let me read some of this that uh, is probably very familiar to you. Beginning in verse 19, don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus is saying, I want your heart to be in heaven and if that's where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And it's interesting that it doesn't turn it around and say that uh, where your treasure is, where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. It says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And he says then, goes on in verse 22, the eye 
is the lamp of the body, and if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? And I struggled with that one a little bit. What's he mean there? And what I think what he means there is that, where's my truth system coming from? What am I believing? And if I'm believing the world system, that is darkness. But if I believe in the goodness of the gra and the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's where the light is. And so I need to be looking here for my wisdom and for my principles, because that's where light comes from. Then the last verse that I want to relate is, no one can be a slave of two masters since he would either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and of money. Interesting terminology here. Uh, this particular version of the Bible, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, translates what other versions as servants, it says slaves. So I need to ask myself, am I a slave to money or am I a slave to God? In one particular case, I will use people if I'm a slave to money. On the other hand, I will use money to free up people if I am a slave to God. So big, big issue is that when I give, I break the power of money. And I used the illustration the last time of an open fist. And when I open my fist and when I give, I am breaking the power of money. That's huge. That is really huge because I don't want money controlling my life. A third reason that we should use or think about giving is that it's a recognition of God's ownership. It says in Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. So when I give, it's not that I am giving back to God what is his part, because he owns it all. What I am doing is I'm recognizing that he owns it all, and therefore I am giving to recognize his ownership. I am not giving him back his. I think that's a big uh, misperception. Your people say, well, I gave God his part. No, his part's 100%. And when I give, whatever I give back, I'm just recognizing that it all came from him. Naked I came into the world, and naked I'm, go I'm going to leave, and there's never been an exception to that. I think if we look at Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents, let's take a look at that, uh, because that's, a, that's talking. Talents can be money. It can be a lot of different things. But here's the point in the parable of the talents. It says the master came and he gave some of his property. He gave five talents to one, he gave two talents to another, and he gave one talent to a third. And then he went away for a long time. And it says in here that, that the one who got the five talents and the one who got the two talents, they immediately went and put their talents to work. And when the master came back after a long time, and he asked for an accounting. The one who had the five talents said, here is what you gave me. It is now 10 talents. And here's what the master said. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. So to some extent, how I spend eternity is a function 
of how I have used what has been entrusted to me here on earth. He said, you were faithful with a few things. You put them to work. It doesn't necessarily say that they gave it all away, but it says he put it to work and you were faithful with a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things. Come and enter the joy of your master. And if you go down just three verses, the one who had the two talents said, here's the two talents plus uh, it's now two more talents, or here's the four talents, and here's what the master said to him. Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Question, what did he say differently to the one who had four talents than the one who had 10 talents? And the answer is nothing. Well, the point being, I have been given something, maybe two talents, maybe three talents, maybe four talents, maybe one talent. Whatever it is, I am responsible and I am accountable for what I have been given, not for what I have not been given. He said the same thing to the one who had the two talents as the one who had the five talents. And what he said was, I, you, I will now put you in charge of many things. So a re another reason to give is the rewards. Interesting in this parable of the talents that when it comes down to the one who had the one talent uh, and he buried the one talent and he said, and the master said to him, you evil, lazy slave, if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And when I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. Question, why did the master take the one talent and give it to the one who already had 10? Why didn't he give it to the one who had four? And you know what the answer is? I don't know, but it's his. So he can give it to whoever he wants to give it to. He is the master. It is his talents. It is his provision. And so I give... I use what talents I have been given in recognition that it is all God's and that there are rewards associated with it. I don't give necessarily because I want to count up the rewards. I just know that he's in charge of what he's going to do with that. And then the last uh, reason to give is, uh, I would say, love. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, uh, which says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was yet rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. In other words, think of what Jesus did. Think of what he did for me. Think of what he said he came in and he and removed the sins from, from the world. Uh, before I even knew him, my sins were redeemed. So my love for the Lord Jesus should motivate my giving. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. He was rich. Yet he became poor that I, who am poor, might become rich. So I would say a fifth reason to think about giving uh, is out of my love for the Lord Jesus. If we go back to Matthew chapter 6, uh, Randy Alcorn has written a book called The Treasure Principle. And here's what the treasure principle is. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And what uh, Randy uses an illustration and he says, think about Confederate money, that if I had all this Confederate money 
uh, and I knew that the war was going to end and that the South was going to lose, what would I do with the Confederate money? Well, I sure wouldn't bury it. I sure wouldn't hoard it because it was going to become worthless. And the treasure principle says this, everything that we have here will burn up. Everything that we have here will become worthless. But what I send ahead, nothing can destroy. Matthew 6 says, nothing can break in and destroy. Thieves can't break in and destroy. Rust, it can't rust. Nothing can destroy it. So another reason to give is the treasure principle. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Now, I've looked at a lot of really positive things about giving, out of obedience, uh, breaking the power of money, uh, in recognition of God's provision, uh, in love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Many, many, many positive reasons for giving. I don't give because God needs the money. He doesn't need the money. He's got plenty of money. I'm convinced that in most major cities in the United States, there's enough money in the hands of evangelical Christians to fund the fulfillment of the Great Commission around the world. And it's in the hands of evangelical Christians. Why do I say that? Because among the evangelical community, among the Christian community, only 5% tithe. That's just, to me, tithing is the training wheels of giving. It's the beginning point. A lot of controversy of uh, tithing. Should I bring it into the storehouse? Uh, what is a tithe? Do I really need to tithe? Uh, and I think that that's something that you're going to have to develop a conviction on yourself. My own personal conviction is that it's pretty clear on the first day of the week, bring it into the storehouse, bring it into where I go to church. And how much should I bring in? As I have been prospered. So my wife and I practice tithing. Uh, and we practice tithing on a weekly basis. Every week, we sit down and we say, okay, did we get any income this week? What did we get? And we, we write a check for 10% for of whatever it is that we receive that week, and that goes to the church, and we put it into the collection plate. I'm sure that the people that count the collection think that it's pretty unusual, the types of checks. Maybe it's $51.26. Or maybe it's $600.85. Whatever it may be, we do that not out of a legalistic approach to it, but we do it out of a conviction that on the first day of the week, we should recognize every week what God has provided to us. And this is one way that we can do it. And it is only the beginning of our giving. We give a lot more beyond that to ministries and to parachurch organizations and to missionaries and to the poor. And I believe also in terms of giving that we should give a lot of non-deductible type of giving. Give as God has prospered you. I love the idea of giving cash, just spontaneously giving cash or buying groceries for somebody where it's not at all deductible, but it is giving out of my heart. And every, time that, and every time that I give, and if I give somebody, maybe I give them a $20 bill. Uh, I do it a lot of times when I check a car out, and the person who checks me out of the window, they're working in a garage, cold weather in many cases, and I hand them $20, and I say, this is a gift from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not me. I'm just his emissary. I'm just his ambassador. I'm just his one that, that is bringing that to you. Now, I don't say that for any other reason than to give him honor and glory and to help somebody else who might have a need. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I did that once and, and saw the person a little bit later, and 
their seven-year-old daughter came up and said, you know, the money that you gave us, which was cash, was what we paid our water bill with this week. I thought, wow, because I don't experience that. And I did not know that ahead of time. You talk about the joy of giving. God gave back to me in that particular case, as he does so, so many times. Well, why to give is one question. We've talked a bit about that. Now let's talk about a couple of other things, where to give and how much to give. Well, where should you give? I do believe that the beginning place of giving should be the local church. That would be my church should be performing its mission function, missional function. Uh, it should be where I am plugged in. So I think the giving begins with the local church. But there's other places to give uh, also. They give for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. We give a lot of money uh, to missionaries who are on the mission field for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Uh, give to the poor and the needy. First uh, John 3, 17 uh, says this. Um, if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, but shuts off his compassion from him, how can God's love reside in him? Who's around you that you see that has needs? You know, one of the things that Judy and I do uh, with our grandkids uh, is, you know, there's not much that our grandkids can buy us that we need, okay? And we got plenty of pictures, plenty of plaques, plenty of everything. And basically, if we need something, we, we get it. So it's really hard to buy us gifts. Years ago, what we started doing was giving to each of our grandchildren on Thanksgiving an amount of money. It was $50, and then it went to $100. So we give each of our grandchildren, beginning uh, even as young as two, all the way up until they go off to college. And we give them, at this point, $100. And we say, your gift to us is to give this money away and then write us a letter or make a video or whatever it is. Tell us where you gave that money because we want them to experience the joy of giving. And it is incredible how they grasp that idea and how they respond. They love it. Uh, our uh, one of our sons lives in Austin. He's got three boys, three small boys. There are a lot of homeless people in Austin. And I remember one Christmas, the boys got together and they went to, they said, well, why don't we give something to the homeless people? So they went to the Walmart and they bought sleeping bags. They bought a bunch of stuff. They bought uh, nutrition bars. They bought food. They bought many, many things and put them in sacks. And then they went and they handed them out when they saw the homeless person. And I remember a story that they told us. They saw a homeless person take that sack at what had been given to him, and he went across the street, and he shared what was in that with another homeless person. What an unbelievable lesson for those young people. What an unbelievable lesson for us. What an unbelievable blessing that was. So where do you give? Well, where is their needs? Where is it that you've been blessed, and how can you meet those needs? Good question to ask. Ask God to show you the places to give where there are needs. Well, how much should you give? Well, I'm an accountant. I like formulas. Uh, and I'm a conceptual thinker. So I like, as I've looked at scripture, I've said, I think there's three levels of giving. I think there's the should give level, the could give level, and the would give level. So how much should I give? Proportionate to my income is how much I should give. 
And as my income goes up, I think that proportionate giving should go up. But I'd be really careful that you don't follow into a rigid a law. I was with a missionary one time, and they were having trouble making ends meet. And I went through their finances with them, and they were giving away 37 38% of their income. I said, well, how did you arrive at that amount? And they said, well, somebody challenged us to begin at 10% and increase at 1% every year. So it became a law. It didn't become a love gift. It became a rule to follow. God's not really a rule maker. He gives us principles, but he doesn't give us rules. So how much should I give? Proportionate to my income. Could change from year to year. The second level of giving is what I would call the could give level. And that's as close as we'll, become, we'll come to sacrificial giving. Because could give means giving out of something I already have. Many, many years ago when I was just starting my financial planning business and Judy and I had attended a conference and uh, we had made a pledge to a major ministry to give them, no date was on it, but we, we had made this pledge to give a $10,000 gift uh, to the ministry. That was kind of way out of our realm of thinking of even possible. So it was along the lines of a faith gift that if at some point we could do that, we would do that. And it was a year later, and uh, Judy and I were visiting about uh, many things, and we talked about that pledge that we had made. And uh, we said, what, where do we stand on that? And the only thing that we had in our possession really was a $10,000 vacation fund. Uh, our family had gone to a guest ranch in Colorado. It was a great place to take five young children with the varied activities. I loved it. It was super vacation. And uh, we had saved and made our reservations to go. Uh, and now what do we do? We did have the 10,000. We did have the reservations. And I did something that I've uh, hopefully made a custom uh, in my life, and that was I wonder what God has to say about this. And so many times when I've been seeking some advice, I've opened up his word and uh, something comes out. So let me read to you. I happened just happened to be reading in 2 Corinthians. And here's what I read. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Well, that, that verse meant so much to me. I've even used it every time I autograph a book. I'll typically autograph it, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. But here's then what it said. Now I am giving an opinion on this because it is profitable for you who a year ago who began not only to do something, but also to desire it. I was like, Ron, this is written to you. But now finish the task as well that just as there was an eagerness to desire it, so there may also be a completion from what you have. That could not have been more on point. That was like, dear Ron, this is written to you. So we wrote the check, gave the 10000 I called the uh, guest uh, ranch owner and I said, we have to cancel our reservations. We can't, we can't make it this year. And uh, he talked to me a little bit and he said, well, he said, you know, he said, I really wanted you to speak to our staff. He said, would you consider taking a gift from us? If we paid for your flights to come to Colorado and if we uh, put you up for the, for the week at the, at the ranch at all at our expense, I said, well, let me pray about it. 
<laughs> said, yes, <laughs> we would consider that. So we went to the guest ranch that summer, but here's what also happened. Uh, we got, I was got asked to speak on a cruise. We took a Caribbean cruise with our family. I got asked to speak at a, uh, a seaside resort uh, to a youth group. All expenses paid for the family. We had three vacations that year that would have cost us a lot of money for the whole family. And you know, it was several years later before we ever paid for a vacation. We kept getting offered things. So God gave beyond what I could ask, think, or even imagine, as it says in the book of Ephesians. Dramatic example of God's word speaks to our finances, and he requires faith to obey him, because without faith is impossible to please him. Give out of what you have. Give that what you intended to do a year ago, complete it out of what you have. Was that sacrificial giving? Yes. It was sacrificial because we made the decision we were going to sacrifice this in order to do this. But was it hard? Well, yeah, it was hard to write the check. But now what God taught me was I can never, ever outgive God. Let me kind of close it with um, one illustration uh, also on this sacrificial giving. Uh, I used to take one of my sons to uh, Chick-fil-A uh, every week and we would have breakfast uh, together and just visit and so forth. And uh, the, the lady that waited on us at the counter was always the same lady. And she uh, was a delightful lady uh, and uh, just sparkling personality. She had emigrated from someplace in the Caribbean and she was really proud of her kids. And so as I was walking out of that Chick-fil-A uh, one time, I, I, I got to the door and I thought, you know, you tip uh, waitresses in restaurants, why don't we tip the people in a fast food restaurant? And I thought, well, yeah, I could tip her. So uh, I reached in my pocket and I had several 20s in my billfold. I pulled out a 20 and it was like the Lord said, you cheapskate, you got a lot of 20s. So I took out five 20s, folded them over so she wouldn't see how much it was, went back up and I said, can you take a tip? She said, yeah, I can take a tip. So I handed her the money and I walked out. Uh, and a week or two later, I was back there and she came over to my table and she said, you know, when you gave me the money, I really needed a set of tires. And I thought, boy, this is so good that I can pay for these tires. But that evening when I got home, my daughter who's a junior in high school had a classmate who had had a fire and in that fire, they had lost all of their belongings in their apartment. She said, they needed the money more than I did. So I gave them the $100. She wanted me to know how the 100 She wasn't patting herself on the back. She wanted to know that this was something she could not have done had, we not, had I not given her that money. Now, I gave out of my abundance. She gave out of her poverty. I think that's what God really wants. He wants us to give and experience that joy. Uh, that She experienced joy. I experienced joy. The family that received the money experienced the joy. So I should give proportionate. I could give in many cases sacrificially out of something I already have. And thirdly is the would give level. And this is something where I say, you know, God, if you would provide me an extra thousand dollars or hundred dollars or whatever it may be, I would give it. That's a prayerful faith promise gift, if you will. It is a would give. So giving is for my benefit 
It is not for God's benefit. It is to free me up financially and break the power of money and give me a joy that I couldn't experience any other way.